Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. As always, it's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm super glad, as always, that you're here with us today. And y'all know that on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you aren't already a subscriber, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, wherever you listen, so that you always know about new episodes and when they drop. Second, if you find the podcast to be of value, then share it with someone else. That would mean so much to me. And I guess one more thing that I'll say is to those who take time out to send me your feedback and share your thoughts or leave a review. I just want to say again, thank you all so much. Hearing your thoughts is always helpful and I appreciate y'all. All right. So today I've got a great guest here with us inside the huddle with us today and here to share his perspectives and help us to move the ball is Manny Arsenault. Manny is a wide receiver who spent 12 years playing professional football, spending nine years in the CFL, two years in the NFL, and one year in the IFL. Some of the teams that Manny has played for during his career have been the CFL's BC Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, the Washington Redskins, the New York Jets, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Currently, Manny is a skills trainer and sports performance coach, and we'll talk about that in the show as well as some other things that he is currently doing. Manny, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us today. So where I like to kick off the conversation is talking about how people got into football. So talk to us about what's your story? Like, when did you first pick up football and kind of walk us through your journey? My journey is kind of different. For me, what I love most about the game was being able to compete. So I never really just loved football. It was a competition aspect. But I think for me, it was in high school because what's crazy is I was always undersized and too small. So all the way from my seventh grade up to my 11th grade year, I was told I wasn't good enough, not fast enough, and couldn't play. And that summer, going into my senior year, I grew 12 inches. I had a growth spurt. We ended up having a new coach come to my school, Peabody Magna High School, which is in Alexandria, Louisiana. The coach's name was Jewel Sullen. So I had one opportunity my senior year to actually play football. So... That was my first shot after being denied seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and 11. So I grew it 12 inches. And then I remember like yesterday on my birthday, we had a football game. We playing in Wasserman, Louisiana. And I was on defense, caught an interception, ran it back, referee blew the whistle. I stepped out of bounds and the quarterback hit me late. And as I went to brace myself for my fall, I snapped my wrist. So I still have the plates and screws in there. And, and it was just like, man, I really can't catch a break. You mean to tell me all the way from seventh grade all the way up to 11th grade, I didn't make the team. I wasn't a starter. I was just showing up the fifth block, going to the field house. Then when they in class or practice, I would head home. And I get one opportunity. I break my arm on my birthday. 
But it's just crazy how football kind of chose me. So I remember them putting a soft cast on my arm. Dr. Burns did my surgery. And I remember sitting in class and, you know, them casts start itching. So I take a pen, try to scratch it inside there to remove the itch. Then I realized, you know what, scissors can cut this soft cast. And I remember telling coach, coach, I'm going to come back and play. Can I practice? He was like, no, Arsenal, you might have permanent damage. So as the weeks went by, each week I cut the soft cast till it got to about the size of a wristband and covered over my scars. So I started running bleachers, watching practice, and just staying in shape. Then I taught myself how to catch the ball overarm, over my head, catching it outside, from inside coming out, catching the ball over the shoulder. And I was like, coach, man, I want to play. And everybody was like, you know what, you want to play again. So I was like, now nah, I got a plan. So I remember we had Alexandra Senior High Ash, one of the rival schools, and I ended up suiting up again. Really didn't have the confidence to go out there because I was scared to hit my arm. And I was like, man, you know what? They might be right. Football just might not be for me, and I just can't catch a break. But after that, we played Tioga and some more schools, and I started catching deep balls. And then we made it to the playoffs where we faced Dutchtown, we lost in the first round, but what we did was something that hadn't been done in years. So I remember getting back to school, and Coach Sullen was like, hey, we need y'all to make a highlight tape. And we was like, a highlight tape? What's that? It's like, you put your plays on, and we're going to send it to some schools. It's like, Arsenal, just send you some tapes to some SWAC schools, some HBCUs that throw the ball. So I mailed off him to Southern Grambling, all those schools, all corn, sent out the tapes and that Monday. So. Now, let me take you back now. So 7th to 11th grade, I wasn't a starter. I wasn't good enough. I got one opportunity my senior year. On my birthday, third game of the season, break my wrist. I'm thinking, you know what, football career over. Fast forward, we get to the first round of the playoffs. We lose to Dutchtown. I make some film. We're going to mail them out Monday. Alcorn got my film on Wednesday. They called Friday. Wanted me to come down for the um, unofficial, like the little visit where they was playing Southern University basketball game. And I remember catching a ride with one of the team volunteer coaches, Coach Brown, because my mom didn't have a vehicle. And I remember going down to Alcorn on the little um, the visit, and I signed a four-year scholarship. That's crazy. So that weekend, made my film, mailed it Monday. They got it Wednesday. I went down there that Saturday, got a call Friday, and signed a four-year scholarship. And that's kind of what started my football career. When I got the all-corn, I was a four-year starter. I also ran track and field. And then the clown in 2009 came. That's when I went to the CFL and was with British Columbia Lions. Had two outstanding seasons. Then it's 2011, went to the NFL that lockout year. Signed with the Minnesota Vikings, was there. Then I went to the Redskins. And after being released by the Jets and OTAs in 13, I returned to Canada where I was able to finish up a solid campaign and career. Top five all time in all categories for the BC Lions. I had some injuries there that kind of slowed some things up. And I was blessed to play in 2019 with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And COVID hit 2020. I felt that I would retire. And then next thing you know, now I'm playing with the Frisco Fighters in the indoor league. And kind of got with them to give me that closure where I was able to just to strap on the, the pads again, buckle up the helmet, lace up the cleats. But for me, that was my football journey. It was something that kind of chose me, actually just prepared me for life off the field and was able to help me exercise with that mental fitness and being 
mentally strong, having to deal with adversity my entire life. So that was my football journey and how I kind of got into football and how it kind of basically tied into life off the field, preparing me for now where I'm at today. Well, I love your story and I love the journey. And, you know, I get all kinds of different people on the show and everybody's got their story and some football was their thing ever since they were a little kid. They wanted to be a professional football player. Some folks kind of picked it up later. Other folks like yourself, senior year, right? Then you had this opportunity and your life went in a different direction. But what I love about the story too, is you just never know. Life is not a straight line. You never, there's going to be twists and turns and curves and you never know where it's going to take you. And so I just think it's incredible kind of how things have gone for you being told that you were too small, not fast enough. All of these things that people said, no, you couldn't do the sport because of X. And then things happened your senior year and things kind of went in a different direction. You got that scholarship to Alcorn State while you were there. 99 career catches, 1,618 yards, 12 touchdowns, ended up playing professional football for 12 years. So it's just an incredible journey. And so thank you for sharing that with us. And as you look back on your career, what are some of the things that football has taught you about just how to be successful in life? Man, to basically no excuses, always to have a plan. And it's kind of taking the game of football, which is alignment, assignment, execute. Okay, alignment. Where do I go at when I'm in a player's call? Assignment. That's the play. Execute. You got to execute a play that's called. So I took those three factors and kind of applied it to life. Okay, how are things aligning in my life? What's the company that I'm keeping or the circles that I'm a part of? What's my assignment? realizing what is my purpose? What is it that I actually care about and what's my why? Then execute. Am I making sure my alignment matches up with my assignment and am I executing the task at hand to fulfill those two? And that's kind of how football prepared me for life. But it's just crazy how the game works because in football, your job is to keep your job and to go take somebody's job. So you're under the pressure daily having to perform in a what have you done for me lately world that we kind of live in. The fans just see the entertainment, the touchdowns, the trash talk, the celebrations and what's on TV, but they don't see the day-to-day grind, the practices, the injuries you have, still having to raise a family, dealing with adversity. But knowing when you're dealing with football, you have to focus so much on being where your feet are and you can't worry about what's going on on the outside. So having to do that for so long, being where my feet are, helped me in life to where it's nothing that I faced in life that's been more difficult than football. Two ACL surgeries, AC joints, just the injuries that come. So I figured, you know what, this prepared me for something much greater than catching footballs and, and, and just out there celebrating. Like I'm prepared for life to deal with whatever comes my way due to that adversity and just the grind that football really consists of. And that's why I kind of like the sport so much because where it put me mentally and being able to separate myself due to the mental toughness that I have, being able to remain calm and knowing to respond and not to react is one of the biggest things ever. But I just know from a mental standpoint, football just really got me to where it is I needed to be. And I'm glad you brought the mental piece up because it's not only important to be tough to play on game day and show up in practice, but it's also important to have that mental toughness to navigate through whatever happens in life, whether you're involved in football 
or not. And so you mentioned a couple injuries. So talk to us about mentally, how did you deal with the recovery process and being out of the game while you're trying to recover and rehabilitate? And how did that affect you mentally? And how did you stay strong? I was excited. 2013, last game versus Calgary. Um, going for a deep ball. Last regular season, went up for a ball. Hill got caught in the turf. Tore my ACL. Really didn't know what it was at the time because it kind of flamed up a little bit. But I played the next week on it versus Saskatchewan, and we ended up losing. And I ended up was like, man, I need an MRI. Something don't feel right. Knee was stiff. And come to find out, it was a torn ACL. And I remember telling the trainers, you know what? I'll be back in three to four months. I'll be ready for camp. That's in April or May. And I remember having my surgery, came back to Texas, the Frisco rehab at Exos. And that 15 year, I led the CFL in yards. If I'm not mistaken, it was yards and touchdowns. So I had one excellent career because I told myself I'm going to come back leaner, faster, and stronger. And then I liked the challenge because tearing it, you know, people figure you won't be the same. You're going to lose a step. And my whole thing was now I'm going to come back a much better person, but I dealt with my rehab and recovery very well because football has always been my occupation and not my identity. It's just a title. So now it was like, okay, I've always known how to handle separating the two. So when I had my injury, it wasn't like, man, everything's gone. What I'm going to do? It was, okay, when I can start my rehab. And then coming back in 18, I tore my ACL again and had a micro fracture where I couldn't walk for three to four months. I had just had a kid. He got a hold on to the crutch because I couldn't carry him. And it was just a grind in because I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back. And it was like, man, you're on the other side of 30. I doubt it. And that's why I ended up signing a one-year deal playing in Saskatchewan and just showing that receiver room how to be a pro, basically mentoring them and showing them what it takes to last a long time. And professional ball, which is the consistency. So each injury I had was just a minor setback for a major comeback, but none of them took me out mentally. I was out physically because you got to rehab and recover the proper way, but I've always stayed on top of it because for me, your occupation isn't your identity. But when you get caught up in that, that's when you struggle when things like that occur. I like that you mentioned that the difference between your occupation and your identity, because as you know, there are so many guys playing that get caught up in football being their identity and not just an occupation. That's where they struggle. And so as you look back on your time playing, yes, what would you attribute to your success? Like what made you elite? And aside from the mental piece, what else was it about Manny that made him excel? Man, work ethic second to none. And I was consistent. The way I practice is how I play. And everybody know what they're going to get out of me. So you turn on a practice film, game film, I'm going to give you 100%. And that was my thing. No excuses. And that's kind of what I live by, to always just have a plan. You know, find a way, not an excuse. And that's what I think about. But I just knew my work ethic would carry me a long ways, being that I had to really just get it out the mud and start from scratch and had to make something happen regardless. Because, you know, in the world we live in, no one feels sorry for you. No one care about your problems or what it is you're going through. So you got to find a way to perform. And I knew that's the way I can separate myself from the pack because it wasn't always talent. A lot of it boils down to your work ethic. Are you willing to do the dirty work? Are you willing to stay extra? And that's what it was. And we all have a role. And that was one of the best things I did well was to carry out my role even when I was at the top of my game, 
when I was at rock bottom dealing with an injury, can't move again. I knew what my role was and I executed to the best of my ability, but I based everything off my work ethic being second to none. And that's just how I'm operating, been programmed. Now I work the person next to me. And I've had people on the show talk about their success in the league. One of the things they did is they found guys who were veterans so they could learn from them. They made sure that they had mentors. Were there any players that you linked up with that you think really helped you to continue to grow, not just from a talent standpoint, but just from a maturity? Yeah, man. See, that's why we got two ears, man. Listen more than it is we talk. So me, I'm a big observer. And I feel it's best to learn from other mistakes than your own. So I came in the league with guys like G. Roy Simon, um, Paris Jackson, then other guys from other teams. And I just watch what they do. But to be on a team with a Hall of Fame receiver like G. Roy, it was easy to get the game and see what it is he put in daily. Then I had a Hall of Fame coach, Wally Bono. Then when I was with Minnesota, my receiver coach, George Stewart, I just had so many coaches that they think was I'm turning in, preparing these, these men, young men, for life to be better, greater men, to be a better husband, to be a better father. So I always was in a, on a team or in a room with vet guys that kind of led by example. But me, I just like to watch. And that's what you do. So I seen how they did it. And I think so by me being one of the best followers made it easy for me to become a leader when it was my turn to step in that role when he left. Cause I figured you lead by example. And when you're a positive person with good energy, people start to gravitate towards that and the personality that I had. So it was just watching how guys work, how they show up, what they put into their preparation, how they go about it. And that's one thing I just took something from everybody that I was in the locker room with and played with the guys that handle business. Okay, this is how they did it. So let me add that to my toolbox. So I'm glad that you mentioned the showing up every day because something you've said is the great ones don't dabble. They show up every day, pay attention to the details, are deeply committed to the process, even when it gets really hard. So what does that mean for you? Elaborate on that. Look, it's easy to do everything when you're winning, when you're having a good time. But what you're going to do when you're in a slump, dropping balls, dealing with family issues, things not going your way. In sports, you got to deal with the politics. So it's easy to do all the right things with things going your way. But when a little adversity hit, what will you do? And I think that shows a lot of people where basically reveals their character and who they are as a person. So it's just basically boils down to getting comfortable being uncomfortable, eliminating a fixed mindset, having a growth mindset that I can be 1% better and just boycotting being average, not doing enough just to get by. Because at some point, it will eventually catch up with you. And something else that you've said is you don't need more time. You need more focus, fewer projects, fewer commitments, fewer obligations, fewer responsibilities. I think when you hear that, people listening say, okay, yeah, I got you. But how do you implement that? So if you were to think about teaching someone how to kind of shed some things in their life and decommit, to some things so that they can have more focus, what would you say to them? Man, really stop spreading yourself so thin and you can't pour from an empty cup. In our business, it's our service to others when we're in that uniform, whether we cater in the fans, kids, the coaches, the people in the locker room. You so much, you give, give, give. And that's what a lot of your time is consumed with your service to others. 
So it's really just making time for yourself. So when I'm telling someone, yes, I'm not telling myself no. But as an athlete, majority of the time, you're the breadwinner. You're the person in a financial situation where you can help those around you. And when people help you along your journey, you have a heart to give, give, give. Or you know what, I got to fix this. I got to do that. But sometimes, man, it's just, it's okay to stop. Just stop. Take a deep breath. Be more in the moment. And and that's what it is in the moment because you got to think we always in the future, man. Next game, playoffs. Next year, you know, this is my contract. I want to do this or that. Or, man, dang, you know, I had a bad game last week. Practice wasn't good yesterday. So we're thinking about the past. You know what? Now we're thinking about the future. And what it do is steal our moment to be in the now. Because we're either thinking about what's going to happen, what has already happened. But it's just basically you got to focus and be present and just start living in the now. And that's something that I still work on day to day, just working on putting myself first. And they say it's a healthy, selfish, but you're basically being intentional. And it's okay to be that way. But when you're an athlete, it's just so much you try to do, do, do by spreading yourself thin and making sure you can take care of everyone around you. But sometimes you just have to stop, stop, sit back, reflect on life, enjoy the breath that you're taking right now and just focus on being in the moment. And that's what I mean by saying focus, because it's really not the time. It's just being in the now because we either looking so far ahead or stuck in the past that right now is what we miss out on. I think that you bring up some great points in there. Obviously, it's important to be present in the now, as you mentioned, the decommitting and saying no to things. I found just in my own experience when I was working in corporate, I used to say yes to everything. And I was always overcommitting myself and I was always exhausted because I was spreading myself too thin, to your point. And when I became an entrepreneur, then I realized the value of every single minute because either you're doing something that's going to make you money or you're not. And so I started saying no to a lot of things and focusing more on the present moment. And it's just a different quality of life. You focus on what's really important. It's not just about making money, but I mean, that's what really got my mind thinking about how I'm spending each of my minutes each day. Something I talk about a lot is managing the game clock. So in football, you have four quarters, 15 minute quarters in life. We got 24 hours a day. So how are you managing that 1440 minutes you get every single day? Each of us has the same, right? So the ones that are successful are the ones that know how to use that effectively and say no to the things that aren't serving them or what their assignment is or what they're aligned or trying to be aligned with. Right. You hit it on the head. I hate three things. What is your focus on? What is it costing you and what you're going to do about it? So those three questions right there, man, it takes care of a lot of it. And that's kind of how you look at it. When you can answer those three things, man, it kind of put everything in perspective for you. Exactly. Yes. So let's talk about what you're doing now. So I know you do some training. Talk to us about why you wanted to get into that. Yeah, man. For me, I do youth athletic development. So you can get a kid that's... Everyday kids just do PE, play video games. Or you got kids that's athletes. But I think youth athletic development was a big thing because when I was growing up, it didn't exist or I didn't have the resource. But it's easy to prepare a kid now than trying to fix them when they're 15, 16, 17. I got involved with that, man, just helping kids build the confidence through sports or through physical fitness and activities. So we go from ages three and four all the way up to professional guys 
that I'm doing my performance work with. Then I do my wide receiver training, just taking what I learned over the last decade and just giving these young athletes the tools to kind of be successful. And that's kind of what I do now in the evenings because in the morning I'm playing with the Frisco Fighters now as we get ready to go to Arizona, fight for the number one seed right now as we get ready to go into the playoffs. But just working with youth, man, building their confidence, letting them know that they belong, that's the biggest thing. Just having a kid come in and knowing that you didn't fix their self-esteem, you got their confidence going, now they're believing in themselves. And it just helps everyone around. It helped the kid, it helped the family. Then it just helped the peers that they're around. So that's my whole thing, man. I use my style of coaching to build the kid up, get their confidence going, and just have them knowing that they belong and they matter. And you had your first annual Huddle Up Skill Camp recently. And so talk to us about why you decided to do this skill camp, what you focused on, and talk to us about one particular individual that you touched that really made you feel good because you made an impact. Man, it's crazy. My high school coach that gave me my first opportunity was one who reached out to me. So I believe we was on a road playing somewhere. I got back about probably had to wake up four in the morning, flight, fly back. And I was like, coach, you know what? This weekend, if you need me to drive to Lake Charles, I got you. So we must have flew back that Saturday. I remember just basically eating and grabbing some food, hopped on the road. and was like, coach, I'm coming. And I was like, I wouldn't tell you no, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So he's at Washington, Maryland. High school in the Lake Charles, and he must have rounded up 17, 20 something kids. We did a little skill camp one on, on that Sunday morning, the quarterbacks and the receivers, and just teaching them the fundamentals of the game, stuff to help their craft. And, and it was just good to get around those kids because, you know, when you're in there in the city, you deal with a lot of kids come from single parent backgrounds. So just being able to talk about life, talk about my journey, some of the questions that they had. Then they reaching out to you on social media or getting a positive feedback from the parents kind of mean a lot. But just that entire group, man, was a special group because when I'm around them and my coach would be like, hey, hey, Arsenal, that's the Arsenal right there. I see a lot of you and him. I want you to pull him to the side and work with him. And a lot of the kids, it goes down to you don't know what you don't know. And just I told coach, let me be a resource. It's nothing for me to come down and help. And I think you mentioned moving forward, they want to make it a bigger thing to give access to all the kids in the city because he kind of just okayed it for the athletes at his school. But it was a good turnout to say that it was a day, one day heads up and he was able to round up some of the boys. But it was a good start just to be able to have it, see how it works, see how it go, build a relationship. And it had other people from like my hometown, people asking, hey, when you going to do this here? When you going to do that? So it's just about creating that buzz, staying relevant, that the love you got when you was playing, you're still receiving it when you're not by pouring into the youth. And that's my whole thing, to make something annual and not be a one-hit wonder with everything to where it's not get in, get my money, get out. It's get in, build these relationships, and then the financial side going to come at the end. And that's kind of how I base everything off the relationships that I'm building with people as a whole, man. I was touched by that entire group, the way they locked in, the way they embraced the grind. And and they was focused for those two hours, like totally committed. And it meant a lot. That's awesome. And it is all about the relationships that you build with people. And when you focus on building relationships, quality relationships and making an impact, then the financial peace will come. 
It really will. And I feel like so many people get caught up in the dollar today at the sacrifice of the relationships. And so when you flip it and you focus on building great relationships, what you're doing and playing the longer game is going to pay off by far 10 times more than if you try to play the short game. And so I know next year when you do this annual camp, it's going to be even more fantastic. Yeah, no, thanks. Appreciate that. So something that I know you have plans on doing is you plan on writing a book. So talk to us a little bit about that. Man, when I was with my cousin, she mentioned she wrote a book years ago, but when I was in Canada, I kind of thought about it because like me, I'm a private guy, but I'm a big personality guy. So everybody just know Manny, Manny show. No one knows Emmanuel Arsenault. So my whole thing was wanting to write a book, the Manny show unscripted, meaning you getting to know me, my journey, what it took for me to get where I'm at, the help I received, the mentors I had, the adversity I faced. Just everyday life all the way up to now kind of made me want to write a book because that's just everyone that knows me or sees me is just Manny. The Emmanuel Arsenal person kind of don't exist. It's just the Manny show or Manny Arsenal. And they just see athlete, sports guy, must have it made, come from a nice family, nice suburban community because the guy played forever. So we know it was a cakewalk for him. But that's the reason for me wanting to write a book, just to get in depth about my life situations, things that I had to deal with. And just knowing, like, no matter what, man, for people to continue to believe in themselves. And that's kind of how my life went was, oh, well, what's next? I got to figure it out type thing. So it's just sharing my story. Maybe it can motivate somebody, inspire them to want to do something. But nah, that's the kind of reason behind it is to let people get to know Emmanuel Arsenal outside of the Manny Show. Well, I think that's great. And because we're talking about it here, we put it out there. So there's going to be the social accountability piece now. So what what is your timeline? Things can change, obviously. But what are you thinking? Man, honestly, I'm trying to get this ball rolling before 2022. So I kind of put it out there on Facebook. If anybody knows any publishing people or some folks that write which way to live, send me. I had a lot of feedback. So there's a couple of people that I'm going to reach out to, see the project call, see how they want to go about it. And I'm looking to kind of get it rolling because I kind of been sitting on this for three years and it kind of hit me. Hey, you know what? Maybe I should do it because I go speak at different events. Um, and it'd be crazy, like speaking at the corporate event, speaking at high school, speaking at like Boys and Girls Club. I was like, man, maybe I should put all this in a book because I only can give them so much of the story, being that it's only appropriate for certain crowds. So I was like, man, what if I just put my journey in a book? Somebody should want to read it. Of course, there are a lot of people that want to read it. And so I am looking forward to seeing the completed product. So I know you're going to write, write, write and get it done. And we'll be sure to let people know about it when it's out as well. And uh, so I guess I'll put out, I shared on the show here a couple of months ago that I'm in the process of writing another book. Oh. So still working on it. My plan is to have it out first quarter of next year. So maybe second, we'll see but it's in process. So what I want to do now to end the show is I want to take you through my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. All right, cool. So my first question is what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Veterinary. Oh, interesting. 
Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, Chris Tucker. Oh, that's a funny choice. Good choice. Good choice for sure. <laughs> How about, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, chocolate. Okay. How about, what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, uh, Guam. Oh, no one said that before. I've not been, but I'm hoping to go one day there. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or podcast are you currently listening to? Book I'm currently reading is In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And podcast, I just put in there motivational stuff. So you got I Am Athlete. Then you got the motivational spills that might have Inky Johnson or Eric Thomas and them on there. So that's what I kind of do. Just put in motivational, click something and just let it play and listen. Well, I Am Athlete's a great podcast as well as Inky Johnson, Eric Thomas. I mean, all great, great people. And so I'm going to have to pull yours up now since I've seen the intro that you made as well. So I'm definitely going to have to look into that. There you go. I hope you like it. Yeah. (laughs) My next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? Man, junkie people, man. That's my biggest pet peeve. I'm not OCD, but I'm slightly OCD. But I just like, man, chunky people are rude folks, man. That's my biggest pet peeve. Okay. And the last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? <laughs> Bernie Mac. Okay. Steve Harvey. And probably if I had one more person, man, it would be another comedian. Reason why, man, I like laughs. I like to have a good time and just being around good people. Then you look at Bernie Mac, the Steve Harveys, and like I say, the Martin Lawrences or Chris Tucker, them kind of people was just funny guys in the movies and shows they in, whether it was in a family atmosphere, it was just that good old time. So that's why I would have them there because I know it'd be laughs, good food, and everybody just kicking it. That's a great set of choices, definitely an entertaining and funny dinner party for sure. So Manny, as we look to end the show, let people know how can they continue to follow you? Man, on all my social media platforms is under Manny Show 84, M-A-N-N-Y, Show S-H-O-W 84, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is Emmanuel Arsenault. So they reach out, send a friend request, I'll follow back and any questions they have, that's how we start the conversation. Go from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Manny, for being on the show today. It's been a true pleasure. All right. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. And we will catch you next time. Again, if you love the show, please share it with somebody else too, so they can check it out. And until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.